eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. To another edition of another Dolphins podcast. It is a massive week as the Miami Dolphins are over in Germany, and I am back to full strength because joining me today, after trick or treating all across Pennsylvania, Joshua, how's, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, we went trick or treating with the kids, got tons of candy, but um, like I also told you, we're all sick too. It just seems like as soon as school started, man, everyone's like, your kids are going to get sick. Everyone's going to get sick. And I'm just like, no, no way. But um, I think we've been sick more in the last two months than we have in the last six years. So um, I'm here full strength and I'm ready to do this podcast with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm almost great because it's almost Friday. But until then, I think I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm solid. I'm solid. Uh, Josh, let's hope by like four years from now, your your entire household just these superhumans who have now been able to fight off every single virus known to humankind. I think I think that's where you're headed here. Yeah, I, I think the baby even had um, the c word when we first had her. So we've all been through uh, the ringer here, but we're getting better, and that's all that matters. So again, man, excited to talk to Dolphins football with you. And yeah, they're definitely gonna be uh, superhuman when uh, they become older for sure. Let's do it. Let's get right into this stuff. We're going to get into three different topics today. Tyree Kill is your AFC Offensive Player of the Month. We are going to ask ourselves, should we be confident about Sunday's matchup between the Chiefs and the Dolphins? We'll get into some of the latest injury news as well. But first, I just want to give everyone a special shout out because I just, I had a pair of shoes laying around a pair of Pumas and I decided I'd throw them out, throw them on Twitter and say, hey, whoever gives us some feedback, some positive feedback, I'll go ahead and and ship those to you. Uh, Our good friend Ivan won it. I just wanted to throw that out there and, and shout out everybody else uh, who took the time to comment, took the time to give a review, five stars. I mean, that stuff helps us out so much. And 
Josh, I mean, we know that we're just doing this on our own, right? We don't have these players retweeting us. We don't have all these different companies retweeting us. We're just shaking our arms and moving. So every time you guys leave a review, every time you guys comment on YouTube and different things like that, it helps us out so much. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, if you want to get involved with some of those giveaways, I don't know how often things like this will happen, but you can find me on Twitter at jmendel94, houts, H-O-U-T-Z. Uh, find them on YouTube at take them to the house. But Joshua, now that I got the big old song and dance out of the way, let's get into the biggest news of the day. Tyreek Hill was announced as the offensive player of the month, the AFC offensive player of the month. He finished the month of October with 600 passing yards, receiving yards. Passing yards would be pretty impressive. And what was it? Four touchdowns, I think it was. Yep, four touchdowns. And they came against, uh, what, the Patriots, Eagles, Panthers, Giants, and Bills. So they did play, what, five games, I guess, technically in November? Um, you know, because we went down to the – or November. I'm already ahead of ourselves, October. Or but uh, Yeah, we, we are. But we're just excited because, again, this is the first uh, non-quarterback to ever be Offensive Player of the Month for the Miami Dolphins. First time back-to-back in team history. So um, it's pretty awesome. And then I even looked it up and saw that – um, well, credit to the Miami Dolphins, but Tyreek Hill never won it when he was in Kansas City other than on special teams. So, um, oh, you know, everyone everyone laughed at us when the trade went down, laughed how he's going from Mahomes to Tua. Um, here we are, man. We're two weeks into the, or two months into the season, and we've had two AFC Offensive Player of the Weeks, and um, it feels awesome, and it's never happened before. So big things are happening in Miami, and we're all so excited for the team that's developing here and, and what's still to come. Mike Cugno from CBS4 tweeted out, so after 30 years without an AFC Offensive Player of the Month, the Dolphins have now done it twice in 2023 with Tua in September, Tyreek in October. And hey, believe it or not, there's only been two months, so they might have to just name this the AFC Miami Dolphins Player of the Month. And who knows? Who knew we could get this cocky and have this much fun with this team? Uh, Joshua, I thought this quote was absolutely hilarious because following the news that broke about Tyreek winning Player of the Month, a reporter decided to ask Tyreek, do you think you can win MVP this season? Hill's answer was awesome. He goes, no, because we have a player that's on our team that's better than me and means more to this team. And his name is Alec Ingold. Yeah, I saw that. And I just, I mean, you love it because, I mean, we always talk about how under the radar Alec Ingold is and kind of that guy that goes out there, just does his job and doesn't really get noticed. It's so great because you really thought it's like, he's going to say Tua. You thought for sure it's going to say Tua, but I mean, that just kind of speaks to the personality Tyreek has. Um, He even came out, I I think in the same press conference and talked about, um, he doesn't really care where this game is being played, but he knows that the uh, Chiefs are going to get the business either way. And on his podcast, the It Needs to Be Said podcast, I think he was talking about maybe too much. I think there was some joking to it, but um, second 200-yard receiving day, I I think everybody in Germany would have a pretty solid understanding of who Tyreek Hill is after a performance like that. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, they're going to come out here and try to game plan. I saw Justin Reed talking about how you stop the run. You can then contain Tyreek Hill. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to be a battle. And, um, yeah, 200 yards, whatever it comes to. I mean, we've seen Tyreek Hill put up those type of numbers. So I'm excited to see the way the Dolphins go out there and match up with them. Uh, we do have to mention he is the like, quickest player in the Super Bowl era to hit 1,000 yards, right? I know we talked about that. Eight weeks. Um, been, what, 60, yeah, what, 1960, eight. I think, was the last something, time that happened? Something crazy like that. So, I mean, Tyreek Hill's just having a literal MVP count caliber season i guess again like he said the only um critique you could have is that Tua might deserve a little bit more i think it's kind of funny if you look at Tyreek's stats um every single week you know the chargers he led the team with 215 receiving yards the broncos 157 he led the team with 58 against buffalo new york 181 carolina 163 and philadelphia 88 and people might be asking well jake you just skipped two patriots games 
Well, both of those games, Waddle was the guy to lead the team in receiving yards. So, Josh, I, I think it's been pretty fun uh, just to kind of see how this unit has uh, evolved over time, right? Early in the uh, Tua, Tyreek, Waddle era, it was it's just going to be these two. The volume's going to go right to these two, and they'll make it work. They'll make everyone happy just simply because of that. How have you felt the transition has gone this year where we're seeing a lot more of the motions? We're seeing Tyreek have to, let's say he has 88 receiving yards in a game, which sounds incredibly low, but in order for him to get those, he's you know running probably close to 300 yards in the different motions he's doing. So can you kind of take me through of, as someone who cuts up every single game and watches this offense, what you're kind of seeing differently this year from Tyreek? Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned the Waddle thing, and I think we all kind of felt like that was going to be his go-to guy because the rapport they had in college. But it just seems like it's now Tyreek Hills, you know, that quote-unquote number one guy that he's always targeting. Yes, Jalen Waddle's still phenomenal. But um, for me, it's just these short motions that we've seen. I mean, last year you'd see the defense rotate, see a secondary kind of uh, shift every time Tyreek Hill went in motion. And now you're just seeing these short motions where they just can't react. So it's creating space for him. He's creating space for some of those other receivers. And as you see, I mean, Tua Tungvaluwa is in his bag right now. I mean, he's anticipating these throws. The chemistry that they have is just absolutely absurd. I mean, when you're cutting up a Tua cut-up, I mean, some of the balls where he, that ball leaves his hand to where it hits the receiver it's just absolutely incredible and you got to give Tyree Kill credit because the way he runs his routes I mean you see the separation he gets with that speed because all these defensive backs have to be honest so um, I think Tua's gotten better I think Tyree Kill's gotten better with those short motions and it's allowed him to um, you know get to the top of his route and break out quicker and it's also opening things up for everyone around him so we're starting to see this offense finally come together year two of Mike McDaniel it just makes you wonder Jake where's the where's the ceiling to this thing because right now it seems like every week we're dropping breaking new records one after another yeah, I don't know. Are they at the ceiling? I mean, they're averaging 34 points per game, which is the best in the league. Last week, they were three on three on, on fourth down, which is absolutely cold-blooded. Uh, but something about this offense, I think we still have a big question about, Josh, is how this motion, how this offense can operate with a lot of crowd noise. And this is technically going to be a home game for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that means that they'll have all their, like, um, Different, uh, this is going to sound, I, I don't have the right word, but like uh, songs, they're different hype up noises and, and horns, whatever it may be. And then I think they could sell some more tickets as well. Uh, but how do you feel about this Dolphins offense going into a situation where they have to kind of uh, rely on, on the timing much more when you can't hear uh, Tua, you know, calling out plays and things like that? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think this definitely helps the Dolphins, right? I mean, it's not Arrowhead. It's not going to be nearly as noisy. But like you said, it's still going to be a little bit of a home field advantage. So um, I just think the Dolphins, you guys probably talked about in the last pod, right? But them getting there early has to factor in some way to, to this thing, right? They has to give bad. them an, an advantage. But I know sports science, I saw someone on Twitter said that sports science says what the Chiefs are doing is right. So I, I always... Uh, deter that stuff i have no idea how that makes sense but i think they're getting acclimated to the situation also the fact that it's not an arrowhead stadium is going to help because i don't know about you jake but every time you see those international games man there are dolphin jerseys galore it's i saw Tannehill one. jerseys before i know i've actually met someone over there ali um when i went over there for my honeymoon who's a dolphins fan follow him on twitter for years so um i think it's going to be a lot more dolphin fans than we expect but i think that's definitely going to help the dolphins but how this thing plays out i mean it's really anyone's guess because uh both these teams realize how important this game is and i think both teams really do want this one despite you know how the chiefs might be downplaying it tyreek hill though he has not been downplaying it at all and two, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are coming off a loss to the Denver Broncos, right? And and everybody likes to go along with the rant of, hey, the Dolphins beat the, the Denver Broncos 70 to 20. Why couldn't the Kansas City Chiefs do something similar? I do think, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, I do think the AFC or the, the 
the divisional games are always a little funky. They know they know you better than anyone else. And when you consider, Josh, what were the Broncos? I, God, their record is bad. I, I don't even know where to go from there. But the Chiefs played the Denver Broncos on October 12th and won that game 19 to 8. That was at Arrowhead. Having to go and play the Broncos again 14 days later, knowing you have to go to Germany and play the Dolphins the following week, do you wonder or do you think that maybe there's a little bit of uh, the Chiefs, I don't want to say they weren't caring, but kind of got caught looking ahead. You mix that with, you know, Patrick Mahomes being a little sick. You mix that with the fact that you're not going to be 18 forever unless you're the Buffalo Bills losing to the Miami Dolphins in the 70s. Outside of that, they might be the 80s, potato, potato. Um, I just wonder if if we can't overlook the fact that this Chiefs team is still absolutely fantastic despite losing to the Denver Broncos by two touchdowns. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I know I'm going to get crap for this, but, I mean, we can be honest, right? Patrick Mahomes might be the best athlete that we've ever seen play the quarterback position mm-hmm. ever, right? I mean, the what he can do to that offense, I mean, even without Tyreek Hill, is absolutely absurd. I do think maybe some of it, um, you mentioned it with the division games. I mean, those go anyway. I mean, I don't sit here and it's think, crazy. you know, the Chiefs are below the Broncos or even anywhere on that same tier. I mean, this is still a Super Bowl contender defending Super Bowl champions. So I hope that the Dolphins aren't taking them lightly. Don't think for a second they are. But you wonder how much of them playing in Denver last week, you know, made them fly home then to Kansas city, then over to Germany. Maybe that's why they waited, but um, whatever it is, man, I think that this is going to be one of those matchups where you truly do see, you know, where the playing field is, right? We continue to hear all week long. Can the dolphins be good teams? Can they be good teams? If you go out there and beat the super bowl champs, no, it's not a, at a arrowhead stadium, but it's over in Frankfurt. If you can beat them in a, you know, that nine 30 primetime international game, then you're, then you're legit contenders. And then we can all start talking and going around and uh, talking crap on Twitter. The best part about that, Josh, is that we're entering the bye week, right? Whatever happens on Sunday, that's going to be on top of your mind for two whole weeks. So if the Dolphins can, you know, make it to the bye week with a win over Kansas City and have those two weeks just to kind of hold it over everyone's head, I'd see just Josh getting stressed about it, already thinking about the possibilities here. Uh, But that's where the Dolphins are at. Uh, Win or lose, we're going to have to deal with this outcome for two weeks. And I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it will be a lot of fun, but... Before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's get into some injuries. Joshua, the Dolphins have been dealing with plenty and plenty of injuries lately. Four backup offensive linemen were on the field last week against the New England Patriots. Half the secondary was out there despite Jalen Ramsey coming back. So we are actually in a very weird week where we're getting a bunch of positive news about the Miami Dolphins and their injuries. Uh, Where I'd like to start is with Javon Holland, who has cleared concussion protocol. And on top of that, Vic Vangio has come out and said that he is so important to this defense. He is known as the quarter pack of this defense. So, Joshua, we have the pro football focus, top safety, coming back, joining this unit. What does it do? Changes everything, I think, right? I mean, as cliche as that might sound, I mean, now you got Jalen Rams. You got your, like you mentioned, pro football focus, number one rated safety back there. You're hopefully going to have Xavier Howard back, right? So, I mean, now you finally are going to be able to see what Vic Fangio's defense can be. I'm intrigued to see what they do with Javon Holland because, as we'll talk about, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift's boyfriend's an absolute difference maker, and we're trying to figure out who's going to be able to contain him because um, we know he's our, he is the best tight end in football, right? I mean, you don't even have to argue that. So who's going to cover him? And I think that could be, you know, maybe an opportunity for Javon Holland to do some of that work. We know he's played in the slot before. We know he's comfortable moving all around. So um, for me, it just really goes back to um, hearing – Vic Fangio, I guess Jalen Ramsey said it, right? I'm not a cornerback. I'm a defensive back. So I'm intrigued to see the way this whole thing works out, the way they shuffle Javon Holland around, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. I'm intrigued to see the way it all works out. So uh, long story short, it means everything because he is the quarterback of that defense, and we all love Javon Holland. 
And people forget he played a lot of slot receiver and slot cornerback, excuse me, in, in college as well, which is a huge benefit too, just to that flexibility of what he can do to this offense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Chiefs are fantastic at making chicken salad out of you-know-what. They're fourth best on third down, and a big reason for that is because Patrick Mahomes' ability just to scramble and run away from pressure. Um, I believe he's averaging about 30 yards per game. Josh, how does having Javon Holland, would you want to have him be someone who's spying Patrick Mahomes for a lot of the game? Or where would you think he'd be the most effective when you consider that there's already been some rumors that we might see some uh, Jalen Ramsey versus Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that Jalen Ramsey versus Travis Kelsey, too, because when you look at their receiving core, I mean, there isn't no one that really stands out to you other than what Rashad Rash- I better get Rashid Rice. Yeah, Rashid Rice. There you go. Thanks, man. Um, other than him, and I mean, uh, Valdis Scantling, I mean, they don't really have those dynamic receiving playmakers. So I'd be intrigued to see Jalen Ramsey matched up with Travis Kelsey and then what they do with Javon Holland. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, it's just so much intrigue because this is what we were expecting week one, right? I mean, we didn't, we didn't expect uh, – training camp so or second day i think it was so i'm intrigued to see the way this whole thing comes together and the way this defense goes out there and tries to stop again arguably the best quarterback in football i don't know if you have Jalen ramsey or uh, javon holland spine maybe that's a job for david long i don't know what it is but you got to figure out a way to contain them because for years we've been gashed by these mobile quarterbacks and i it kind of worked out in our favor if you go back to last year. I think Jerome Baker had like a 35-yard sack just on uh, Patrick Mahomes just sitting back in the pocket and trying to make things work. Overall, then, I think the secondary is going to be such an interesting matchup to watch because you you mentioned it. You hinted at it there. The the Chiefs are really struggling when it comes to adding other receivers to the mix. Valdez Scantling actually led the team um, on opening night against Detroit Lions with 48 receiving yards. And then the following week, it was Sky Moore with 70 receiving yards and a 17 to 9 win over Jacksonville. So this is a group, man. They have not been, Patrick Mahomes has not had a lot of success so far this season. And then after you go through those first two weeks, it's Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. So it is kind of easy to get an idea of where this offense is heading, how it's going to uh, attack a defense. It's going to be a lot of Travis Kelsey. You're going to see Isaiah Pacheco try to get involved as much as he possibly can, despite he has a season high of receiving of rushing yards of 115. However, his next closest to that is 70 uh, rushing yards. So Josh, Javon Holland, he's back. Jalen Ramsey had the first interception as a Miami Dolphin last week. And what does Xavier Howard do then? How, do, how does he get involved in the mix? How, how do you kind of frustrate Patrick Mahomes knowing that you have the secondary that can you can kind of lean a lot on? 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen the pass rush get better throughout the weeks, right? I mean, last week we've seen Bradley Chubb get a sack slipping between the cracks of two defenders because that secondary latched down. So we've heard Vic Fangio say before, you know, he doesn't want to move his corners around to shadow a receiver, but maybe later in the season he would, right? So um, I just hope that we can get a healthy X out there. He sounds like he's ready to go, right? I mean, it sounds like the biggest obstacles are on the offensive line, which we'll talk about. So I think X pretty much can shut down one side of that field. And as we saw last week, Jalen Ramsey kind of did the same thing. So for me, the biggest way to attack this thing and what scares me the most is that Travis Kelsey and how the Dolphins can contain him. You mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, solid back. It looks like he's ranked sixth among pro football focused running backs, which that kind of surprised me, but um, you he's know, an angry runner. Yeah, he is. He is. And I think the Dolphins, though, this year, they've been pretty good against a run. So we'll see what gives here because the Chiefs do have a pretty good offensive line. But again, those weapons on the outside really do not strike fear on me other than Travis Kelsey. So it'll be interesting to say, and I'm saying that, but again, this is freaking Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, he's unbelievable. Switching over to the offensive side of the football, there aren't too many big changes here, Josh, but the big one that everyone's uh, keeping their eyes on is Robert. He did not practice on Wednesday. He actually did not practice on Thursday either with a hamstring injury. However, he was seen stretching. Josh, what do the vibes tell you about Robert Hunt? Queasy. Exactly. Yeah, I'm queasy about I'm queasy about Robert Hunt and even Teron Armstead. I mean, it looks like he's getting ready to go. He's jumping up and down, he's getting excited in every clip. Yeah, I'm just waiting. But you're just waiting for, uh, you know, Sunday to come and them to be like, OK, Kendall Lamb starting or something crazy. So, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, man, I, I, I do think that they're probably not going to have Rob Hunt. And that sucks because I think he's arguably probably our best offensive lineman. But I do think Rob Jones played pretty well over there. So what is your uh, how do you feel about this offensive line? Because um, I have written down here. Chiefs ranked second in sacks with 28 and fourth in pressures with 85. So they're uh, they got a pass rush that's pretty menacing. Yeah, and they're averaging just 16 points allowed per game, which is absolutely crazy. The 24 points they allowed to Denver last week was the most they've allowed this entire season. That just goes to show how this Chiefs defense has really kind of remade this entire Kansas City Chiefs team. They are really relying on that defense to help them out, uh, force turnovers and different uh, things like that. I'm a little, I'm, I'm trying to find hints, right? Because a lot of the time it's as simple as Mike McDaniel. He's going to take it slow with these guys. Uh, but then I start thinking, you know, the Dolphins arrived in Germany on Monday. Do you bring a guy like Robert Hunt if you know he's not going to play? Do you bring him just for the bonding experience? Am I reading too far into this? Probably, especially when you consider Devon A-Train and Chris Brooks were two guys who also uh, took the trip with them, even though they are, both will not be playing. Yeah, I thought you were onto something there. Then you just kind of made me – it just sucked my soul right out. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if that was the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, it's just – it's just um, it's just the Miami Dolphins way this year, it seems, right? I think this – I read this was their sixth offensive line configuration if, if uh, Rob Hunt can't go out there. I mean, it's just crazy. So I, I think the one good thing is we talked about how – good that defensive line was in the pass rush for the Kansas State Chiefs is they're not very good against the run it looks like they're allowing the seventh worst rush yards per carry with 4.4 and in the last three games they've allowed 135.7 yards on the ground um and Javante Williams rushed for 85 yards last week against them on 27 carries so it does sound like you're maybe able to run the football against them but again when you're in limbo when you're playing musical chairs in the offensive line um I'm not sure how it's going to work out but I'm here for it I feel a lot better about this offensive line than I did at the beginning of the year I don't know if you saw Omar Kelly but he kind of threw some shade at me uh you know quote tweeting my uh the Dolphins dip they still have Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson and this and that Jesse Davis and uh well the offensive line's playing pretty good so I have some egg on my face but, I mean, 
there there was like there was nothing hinting at that before the season. Miami's offensive line being good is one of the biggest surprises of the entire season. And it's strange to think we kind of expected this offense to be awesome despite the offensive line maybe struggling. Uh, but Connor Williams has been awesome. He's one of the best centers when it comes to getting to the second Leonard and just second level and trying to clean out uh, some linebackers. We don't even have to talk about Teron Armstead. We know what he does to this unit and his ability to just kind of move the rushing game along. Uh, how many offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, let's assume the main group of Teron Armstead, we'll even throw Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, um, Robert Hunt, and then Austin Jackson. How many of those guys start on Sunday? We're pro- I mean, we're not going to see Connor Williams, right? I, I can't think I can't, so. I, I mean, that's just me feeling queasy then, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he should be out there. What's he missed? Three of the last four, I think, yep. if I'm not mistaken. I I forget who said it. Maybe it was Omar Kelly wrote it, but um, something about Liam Eikenberg. Do you think they might be trying to see if he's the long-term answer at center? That makes me feel absolutely queasy as heck. So I think we'll get – so you're making – I'm being a, a glass half empty, right? Is that it? Or half full? Nailed it. I, I nailed it? Okay. So I'm, I think we'll have Teron Armstead. Isaiah wins out, out, right? He's not. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. on. Our, so yeah. what do we got? Lester Cotton there. And then you're trying to talk me to Connor Williams. I'm going to have to say Liam Eikenberg. I'm sorry, man. Then Rob Jones and then uh, Austin Jackson. So that would be my offensive line. Hope Connor Williams is out there. And then what do you do? Do you then move Liam Eikenberg to one of the guard spots? What would you do, Jake? I think it's interesting that you mentioned that they're looking at Eikenberg as like that long-term center. Um, I don't necessarily could be. You said could be. I don't. I don't want to. Th- I don't want people to start quoting that or anything. But he did say they could be, and it. it I mean, it's possible with the it's fact. It's an interesting that they- thought. Like, but but I think it'd even be more too that he'd be the stopgap center until they draft someone else more than than maybe like the long term type of guy. Uh, I don't think I want to have guys shuffling all over the offensive line. I think I'd rather them really dig in and learn one position. We saw Liam Eikenberg have to get action against some uh, really tough teams like Philly uh, playing in Philly. So I think that stuff really helps them. And I think if you throw Matt guard, it might derail stuff just a little bit. So I think I'd rather try to let these guys get comfortable. I think the one position where we see some sort of uh you can flip them and it's not a huge deal as left guard and right guard. I know there are people who are going to well actually me, but I just kind of look at what Lester Cotton and, and Robert Jones are doing, right? Because the, the idea of this offensive line is one, we're going to maul the opposing defense. We're going to go find someone and we're going to eat them. And then number two, we're going to worry about technique. So I think maybe just knowing that, knowing that base level of, of what this offense wants from the offensive line changes things just a little bit. Um, yeah. I'd stick Kendall lamb. I'd keep him as the backup left tackle. I'd have Liam Eikenberg be the backup center and just have confidence in the rest of the group you have, especially when you have Austin Jackson having the best year of his career, Robert hunt. If he misses this week, he'll be back sooner rather than later. So I, I, I wouldn't sh- uh, shake the ship too much. Yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with the guard spots, and I just hope these guys get healthy for the stretch run, right? I mean, you want to see Robert Hunt out there because he he's earned this. He's been through so much with this team that you want to see him, uh, you know, have his chance to get his flowers. We're talking about the run game, Jake. Raheem Mostert, didn't he show up with an ankle injury throughout the week? I think he talked today and said that um, he's better now, right? He's likely to play. So that is a breath of fresh air because it would who would have – it would have been what Jeff Wilson and uh, Salvin Ahmed then. Right. And mm-hmm. that would have been your running backs and Raheem Mostert, the way he's playing, you want him out there. Absolutely. So um, how do you think he'll fare against again, a Kansas city chiefs defense that is pretty suspect, susceptible, pretty bad against the run. <laughs> I'm interested. This is going to be the matchup because I think if the Dolphins can run the football, it changes everything. Um, there were even some Kansas City defenders who came out and, and they were asked, how do you stop Tyreek Hill? And the answer was, "We you stop the run. If you can stop the run, then you can get more eyes on Tyreek Hill. But if the Dolphins are able to run the football, all of a sudden it's going to be 
oh no, there's a play action and Ty- Tyreek Hill's just running right behind you. Uh, I think we got to put a note on our foreheads, maybe write it in Sharpie that um, we can't focus on Raheem Mostert's Wednesday participation on the injury reports because it seems like every Wednesday he doesn't practice, whether it's vet rest. He actually came out and said today there was a hiccup with the ankle, but they seem to have it figured out um, and he'll be good to go on Sunday. But man, I didn't get to talk about this yet this week. Something that I caught me off guard is, you know, Salvan Ahmed had a couple of receptions last week in the New England game and he really didn't do much with them. Uh, but Mike McDaniel came out after the game and really defended him and saying how he earned those snaps and how he earned those receptions and how he's earned being part of this offense. So how do you feel about how he fits in, especially when you have Jeff Wilson coming back? He was very limited in his first game back. That being said, he did look pretty good. He was a little flashy there, uh, uh, you know, in part-time work. Yeah, for me, I think Salmonock Meg kind of fills that. Well, Devon Achan, he, when he comes back, he's going to be the starter, right? There's no doubt about that, most likely. He'll be right behind be most He'll get some touches. So I kind of see Salmonock maybe getting, what, five to ten touches a game or maybe less than that? I mean, that one play, he did have a catch last week, and we were kind of talking about how one went for, what, 20 yards or something? But it was a yep. screen that was set up on a critical third down, I think, on that – uh might have been the final drive of the game. My memory's toast, but you know what I'm saying. Salvinok Med makes plays when you need him to at times, and then there's times when you kind of teeter and go the other way, and you're like, this is basically Miles Gaskin again. So I think you go into this, riding Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., you know, however you want to split those, what, two to one, I, I guess, and then you just give Salvinok Med some touches. But if Raheem Mostert wasn't able to go, I definitely would feel a lot worse about that run game. I think we all would. Josh, I've, I should have been calling you Debbie for most of this podcast because you've been negative. I should have called you Debbie Downer, negative Nancy. I don't know which one you prefer. Um, but I want to ask you because a couple of times throughout this podcast, we've started to walk down a road of, hey, this matchup, it kind of stacks up well for the Dolphins. And then we back up. We say, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes. Then we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. So maybe we should. I want to ask you this. Should we be confident that the Miami Dolphins can win on Sunday? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, I do have written down the last time they played, and I think that's kind of why we should feel a bit confident, right? I mean, the last time they played, Mahomes um, threw three interceptions. Two went 28 to 48 for 316 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and a 33 to 27 battle. This was in 2020 when he was a rookie, man. We had DeAndre Washington lead the team in rushing. <laughs> Kelsey had eight receptions. Lim Bowden led the Dolphins with seven receptions for 80-some yards. And then he was throwing to Lim Bowden, Matt Collins, Mike Isicki, Jacreem Grant, Adam Shaheen, Durham Smythe, DeAndre Washington, Malcolm Perry, Patrick Laird, Devontae Parker, 
and Antonio Callaway. So when you think that Tua, and to an extent, went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes as a rookie in that game, I think that's what's given me some life in this, to think that the Dolphins, you know, made Mahomes' life a living hell. Yes, it was a completely different defense, but let's be honest, I think this defense is better than what we saw back then. So um, now I'm starting to get some life into me, man. Thinking about this, thinking about him throwing three picks, barely beating us to his rookie year, had that 15, what was it, 20-yard sack Jerome Baker had. So I think that's why we should have some confidence in this because we aren't the same old Dolphins. This is the best offense in football. This defense is starting to come together. We're starting to get guys back. That's why we should be confident, and I don't know that I believe any of what I just said. Dude, I spent more than one podcast hyping up Antonio Callaway about he was on the Browns. He'll be fine. He's going to be a good wide receiver. And now they have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. It's just, to me, it's just so funny to look big picture. Like I was so excited for Brian Hartline to get a thousand receiving yards. And there was that great game against Arizona where he didn't have any touchdowns. I think he had 260 yards and no, or just one touchdown. And it was just a very weird game. And now you got Tyree Kill who's getting a thousand yards in eight games. To me, I think there's the matchup of, Kansas City's receivers who have done absolutely nothing to help Patrick Mahomes. You went and you traded for Kadarius Tony last year, and that's kind of been a dud. You expected him to be your number one. Sky Moore doesn't know how to catch a football. I'm not trying to be too harsh, but he's had some, you know, drop issues recently. Can Miami's secondary just bully this entire Kansas City offense is what I'm going to be interested to see. Can Patrick Mahomes do enough where, uh, what was the complaint that uh, uh, Giselle had about Tom Brady? He can't catch and throw the football. It, it, we're going to find out on Sunday if Patrick Mahomes can catch and throw the football. And then we're going to have Cat on the show tomorrow. He had a tweet where, Josh, I think there are four different members of the Miami Dolphins who are on pace for eight sacks or more. This entire unit is going to be a problem the rest of the year. I've been trying to send out the warning signs. I think this Vic Fangio defense, man, is about to be an absolute monster. And, if you have sleepies in your eyes, man, it's going to be a pick six. It's going to be over for you. Well, we're probably all going to have sleepies watching this one, aren't we? Um, I, I did think it was uh, cool or interesting to hear Vic Fangio say how difficult it is to stop Patrick Mahomes because he said you got to stop the play they call yep. in the huddle, and then when the play breaks down, you got to you know try to. De- try to stop him from breaking down and making extending the play. So um, I think Vic Fangio is going to have a, a way to stop this. And I do think you're right, Jake. When you look at that Miami Dolphins secondary, assuming Howard's back, Holland's back, Ramsey, Cater Kohu in the slot. I mean, you're looking at the Kansas State Chiefs skill players. And I did forget about Kadarius Tony. That's my bad. But um, I feel like the Dolphins could absolutely shut them down. Again, the only X factor would be that great quarterback they have. But you think about that secondary going toe-to-toe and locking up those receivers, then that lets that pass rush just sit back and feast, like you mentioned. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips is starting to come on. Christian Wilkins is on pace to you know get all that money for these sacks. So I, I, I'm – I'm starting to lean now. I was uh, the Debbie Downer. My mom's name's Debbie, so you can call me Debbie. I was Debbie House uh, for the first half of this podcast, and now I'm starting to, you know, get excited and start to think, you know what, Jake, we are going to win this damn game. It just seems like this is a matchup that works so well in the Dolphins' favor, and then you go to the other side of the football, right? The Chiefs are allowing 4.5 yards per carry, and, and this Dolphins' offense, the way they run the football with this outside zone scheme, it's not like it's Javante Williams' you know, pounding the rock. It's not like you're facing the Chicago Bears when you're winning 41 to 10. This is going to be a tough test for that defense. And obviously, man, everyone's eyes are going to be on Chris Jones. And that's a big reason I think you're going to see someone like Connor Williams play just so he can be out there to be that stabilizing force in the middle of the offense. I do think that 
is going to be so important. And I do think if you look back to Mike McDaniel's quotes in re- recent weeks, the concern about, you know, Connor Williams reaggravating things and then Connor Williams uh, being mad he's not playing. And then Mike McDaniel coming out and saying, you know, he, he gets it. He's cool with it. He was stressed at the time, but it understands it and makes sense. That's stacking up to me. Like this offensive line is going to have four of the five um, opening day starters ready to go. Yeah. And we, I can't overlook their, uh, I guess his second-year cornerback, Trent McDuffie, he's ranked ninth according to Pro Football Focus. Again, take that with a grain of salt. I just like to throw that out there. You can play on the inside, outsides, play 240 snaps in the slot, 131 on the outside. I do think he's there, you know, the more shut-down corner of the two, and I wonder if they're going to have him matching up against Tyreek Hill because I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but they asked him. Well, I know you saw it. I'm sure you did. Andy Reid, you know, uh, his thoughts about Tyreek Hill, how do you stop him? And he's like, yeah, he's pretty good or something like that. He's kind of downplaying <laughs> the whole thing uh, in typical Andy Reid fashion. So I think the way that that secondary matches up, I mean, I know they got Justin Reed lingering back there and some other playmakers. Ladarius Sneed. Yeah, Ladarius Sneed's solid. I, but I think Jalen Waddle, man, Tyreek Hill, I feel like they can, you know, have a pretty good game against them. I guess you should look at that middle of that defense. Leo Chanel, a guy that a lot of Dolphin fans wanted in the draft and – um I'm probably going to butcher that. No, Drew Dranquil. I got that. I got that name. Um, he's it. leading the team in, in tackles and, and sacks, I believe. So um, they do have some playmakers in the middle of that field, and we do know that that's kind of – you mentioned Tyree Kill against the New England Patriots. They kind of play that three-safety look and kind of take away the, the middle of the field and kind of wait on those in-breakers. So we'll see the way this all pans out. But I, I think the Dolphins matchup-wise, is it – safe? Can we say that they might be the better team on paper? Can we can we say that? I mean, I'm. I think I'm, so, dude. I, I think, think if, if that's you, crazy. That is crazy when we're sitting there naming off Lim Bowden and Mac Collins and Malcolm Perry. I'm, I'm no disrespect to those guys, but you know what I'm saying, man. This times have changed. I think the rushing attack can really dictate this game too. Um, I think Raheem Mostert's going to have another big game. I think the Patriots game was just a very good cleansing for the Dolphins after uh, you know falling to the Eagles. The score was exactly the same. Uh, yeah, man. And, and two, the, the Chiefs have some issues in, in the middle of the defense, too. You have Nick Bolton, who was placed on IR last week. I think Willie Gay is, is listed as questionable for the game. So those are just two other linebackers in the middle of the field that could, you know, not be a factor. Uh, to stick with the Dolphins offense, do you think that Mike McDaniel is going to try to force feed Tyreek the ball? Because even on his podcast, he Tyreek even came out and said he thinks Mike's going to kind of try to get him the ball quite a bit. I mean, you hope you don't want him to do that, but I think he will, right? I mean, I think feel like the way Mike McDaniel is, the way he loves his players, the way he knows how much this game means to him, the way he realizes if you want to win this game, you got to get Tyree kill the ball, right? You got to find ways to get Tyree kill and do the ball. So I think he will force feed him. Maybe we even see him in the backfield, you know, getting some carries here and there. I I did look it up during that last game they had. He did have a carry for the Chiefs. So um we'll see the way that plays out. And I'm looking here and we didn't even mention Chris Jones, and maybe we were just trying to overlook him and not even talk about the boogeyman in the in the closet but dude i'm just thinking about chris jones going against you know eichenberg could be at center and then at right guard it could be rob jones who i love but to think of chris jones that that's a little scary man you're gonna have to do some motions get some durham Smythe uh running up in the backfield to come block him and different things like that overall man like like that's why i wanted to kind of end this here with this kind of like confidence boost because strangely enough and i'm starting to hear this from like you know betters and things like that too we've actually seen a swing i think the Chiefs started as five and a half point favorites that's down to one and a half and you know you you think about game script and how things are going to go man I, i do see a scenario where the dolphins can kind of pull away in this game just because kansas city does not have those playmakers now don't get me wrong if they had you know, Tyree kill If they had 80% of a Tyree kill, just that game changer, uh, you know, spread the field out type player when Patrick Mahomes can, you know, finagle an extra 
somehow 10 seconds in the pocket, it seems, and then find that guy down the field. The Chiefs don't have that, that, that super, you know, powerful, let's go get 40 yards with, with one type of catch type of player. Yeah, I mean, maybe they thought they were getting that when they traded for Kadarius Tony, right? But like you mentioned earlier, I thought they were. I thought that was an awesome trade. We were all kind of stoked for that. We were all trying to pick him up on waivers or trade for him or do whatever. So, um, yeah, I I think you're right, man. I think when you look at the Dolphins' offense, just all those playmakers, for as good as that defense has been for the Chiefs, I just feel like the Dolphins have the slight edge. But I'll be the first one to admit, I've only watched a few Chiefs games this year. And again, I always go back to it, man. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be the GOAT when it's all said and done. All right, Joshua, we are wrapping up here on another episode of another Dolphins podcast, but we can't say goodbye without giving our game predictions. Josh, you, I pretty much gave mine away, so so let me hear it. Well, how you feel now after uh, after 36 minutes of uh, therapy here? Yeah, well, I, I was really cliche with my um, the way they can win this game. I said, run the ball, get your playmakers the football, and control the line of scrimmage. Wow, it was really uh, – Score more really, points than your opponent. Really, yeah, really went out. Yeah, score more points than your opponents, <laughs> pick up more yards on the ground. Oh, um, I had this game at – I I, cra- I think I was a little crazy. I'm sitting here trying to just go back and forth. I know we've said 31-14, 31-13, 31-17. We've done that a couple weeks in a row. So I'm going to go 27-24 Dolphins, okay? We're going to get Jason Sanders' last second field goal um, in a soccer stadium, and the crowd's going to go crazy. They're going to, oh, Jason Sanders. I, I don't know what they're going to be doing, but they'll be they'll be stoked for sure. Yo, yo. <laughs> I need a whole Jason Sanders song for, you know, that, that, that was, that was uh, no, I'm going to be so sad hearing my voice on here. Like, Oh my God, that's what you sound like when you chant or <laughs> sing. <laughs> so the over under set at 50 and a half. And I think this game might be under and Josh, that leads me to believe like a 31 17. That, that's what that you nailed the over you, you hit 51 with your, with your uh, prediction there. God, it's so hard because I see that this Dolphins defense matches up so much, so well with the Chiefs. And it's, you got to say, well, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. If it was a, I don't know, quarterback that's ranked 5 through 12 in Madden, I'd say the Dolphins, yes, 31-17. But there is still that scary factor. But I do think this is the Dolphins team. They understand how important it is to win this game. They understand how important it is to enter the bye with a win over the Kansas City Chiefs. 27-14, Joshua. Let's do it. Let's let's get that win. Let's have it be a little little bit of breathing room where they just kind of have the arm extended. They stay in front of them. I do think that the Chiefs are actually one of the worst teams in the red zone because they are forced to throw the football so much without having that playmaker who can, you know, take that ball from the 40-yard line and bring it into the end zone. When you got a nickel and dime, you get less free real estate, man. It's it's harder and harder to move. So I'm hoping that this Dolphins defense turns into the unit we're expecting it to be and comes away with a nice dub in Germany. Yeah, man. And then we'll all be sitting here just so stoked for two weeks. Because when you're sitting there saying, I was thinking how great that'd be for two weeks uh, if we win this game. And then I was like, oh, no, man. That'd be so sad if we, we lost. But we're not even worried about that. We're not going to lose this one. And I, I think we're hyped now, man. I wish this game was being played tomorrow because, um, yeah, you've talked me into this and you got me hyped. And I think the Dolphins are going to do it, man. Let's see it. Let's go over to Frankfurt and win a meaningful game that, um, you know, a lot of people might not think they are. But like you said, the spread's changing. So that that isn't true at all. Joshua Houts, you have said it all. It was great to be podcasting with you again. That is all the time we have today on another Dolphins podcast. Thank you so much for listening to our week nine game preview. We will be back actually tomorrow. I'll have Kat joining me with a final word for this matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. But until then, fins up. Fins up. Say fins up. Fins up. <laughs>